0: This is Guys Read Romance, where I, romance author Margot Radcliffe, politely strong-arm my male friends into reading and chatting about romance novels with me for an uncomfortably long period of time. All right, today we are doing another interstitial episode where we're going to discuss last week's episode about the book Forest Girl by M.P. Barrier that Dali Garambe read. And I want to point out that he would not le- even let me try to pronounce the N in the name. <laughs> like, not I try. I kept trying, and he was like, "Don't." And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> "I was like, fine." That's what I do with
1: my dad too. I'm like, good enough.
0: <laughs> anyway, um, his wife is actually here today, who happens to be a very old yet still very young friend. <laughs> I met <laughs> I met Gina in middle school, where we were both forced to play a stringed instrument. Of course she stayed with it and I quit as soon as I possibly could. We were always cast as old women in school plays, which at the time I was fine with, but am belatedly mostly kind of insulted by. (laughs) She's a fellow writer and journalist, having written for such publications as The New Yorker, The Atlantic, Newsweek, The Christian Science Monitor, and has been featured in the best American travel writing and best American science writing, what did you write for science writing, Gina? I wrote about torture. Oh, come <laughs> on.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sorry, it's not a laughing matter. Sorry,
0: I asked. I know. I, like, oh.
1: I knew that. I was like, you don't <laughs> want to know.
0: <laughs> Good that you're doing it, but okay. Move on. Okay, most recently, she worked as the East Africa bureau chief for the New York Times and is currently the editor in chief of the award winning global magazine, Guernica. Perfect. Okay. So, Gina. I suppose the question is now do you realize where you are and what you're doing? <laughs> because because this is a podcast basically about literary porn. And so I will kind of need you I'll kind of need you to say something so that people know that you're here of your own free will and so that I'm not implicated in, in some future possible human trafficking thing. <laughs>
1: This is like the podcast version of proof of life documents that like, I fill out before I go on assignment to Somalia or something. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I, (laughs) you know, I'm partly here because, partly because there's no room in my life as like a foreign correspondent or this, uh, the editor of this magazine for, you know, romance.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. There have, and there should be Gina. There, should, there be. should be. Shouldn't there be? So thank you, but yes, thank you so much for doing that. And I hope that I copied everything from your website correctly. <laughs> yeah,
1: pretty good. You, you, so you're the person who's been on my website in the last five years. I wondered who that was.
0: I did enjoy your website. It's very like, read this. It's very, just minimalist. Let the words do the work, right? Thank so you. I liked it. Thanks. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I feel that's probably, you know,
0: that's key in your life too,
1: right? Like the words have to do the work. Lots of different kinds of work.
0: Really? You yeah, ask more right.
1: of them than I do, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. Anyway, but thanks. But so thank you so much for being here. And I'm excited to talk about a romance with you and especially Forest Girl, by MP Barrier, which your husband enjoyed, apparently.
1: Yeah, I, I sort of feel like maybe the first, well, this is going to come out kind of wrong, but like a, a useful step in, in someone's, you know, possible couples therapy life should be each person doing a podcast about a romance novel they read, because there was just a lot of a lot of insight in listening to that. I was like, oh, that's funny. And some funny stories I hadn't heard before. And, and I was waiting for a story that maybe I knew a different way. But that, no, he's pretty consistent. He's pretty honest. I was like, oh, OK, all right, I guess it's true.
0: We won't get to those stories in a minute because I will never forget one of them. So but tell me more about what you see. So you, but just as a background, like you have not. Well, first of all, I, w- I wore this shirt in honor of you. I don't know if you can see it, if you recognize. First of all, it's little graphs, right? So it's all print. But these are braids, if that gives you a clue to what book is written on this shirt. It,
1: I it, Yes, I see the braids. It, is this in some way an Anne of Green Gables shirt?
0: Yes. There was it an is. Anne of Green
1: Gables reference in the podcast, too. Oh. Uh. I back. Do, you think, I do you think Anne of Green Gables counts in its own way as, like, YA romance for, like, the Victorian um,
0: set? Yes, that is the segue I was making. Oh, yes, I do think it is. I mean, R.I.P., also R.I.P. Jonathan Crombie. <gasps> still, I don't think we've ever discussed this. We yes, have. No. still not over it. Whoever could what a be. a tragedy. I know. It, I it is. And that, oh, God. But anyway, yeah, definitely I think Anna and Green Gables is starter romance, 100%. Yeah. I mean, what else is it about if not Anna and Gilbert?
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to get through those 72 paragraphs about wildflowers for some reason, right? Like, I don't know what else is going to drag you through. That's why my sister never got into it. She was like, what is all this stuff about the flowers? I am out.
0: (laughs) I mean flowers in themselves that's romance right enjoy the majesty of these flowers what else is that if not a little whimsical romance exactly there we go yeah, I mean,
1: I think I think there's something here now, of course, we're going to have some, some sort of like graphic novel reimagining of Anne of Green Gables for like the modern era that puts the what the the romance forward that Netflix series put like the trauma forward. Oh. Now it's time to put the romance forward.
0: Right, We'll get
1: like a manga comic I, or something.
0: I, one can only hope. Did you watch the new version of what is it? Anne with an, an E? Yeah, I watched two
1: episodes and I was like,
0: no, no, I'm not into it.
1: Mm-mm.
0: I get it. Look, look, I want orphans to be romanticized or I'm out, <laughs> alright? I don't care Exactly. Get over it, guys. There's enough other they sad
1: stuff in the world I've yeah. discovered since Anne of Green Gables I don't have to go back and tragicify Ellen Montgomery right. I'm just gonna let it be
0: Look, Was Marilla kind of a bitch sometimes? Sure, but, you know it was out of love So, yeah, you know, we got a good, got a good We're
1: all complicated people <laughs>
0: Maybe that's not actually. I've met some very uncomplicated people. I'm envious. Rachel Lynn, for instance, not complicated. Still think that she's a villain until her husband dies and she has no one, and she's like, "Oh, I guess I got to be nice to people." Now. I should
1: have been making friends this whole time.
0: Exactly. But anyway, so outside of that, though, I'm definitely. Anna Green Gables was a romance. But since then, have you had any experience reading romance at all?
1: I read one romance novel in high school because oh. um, your your previous interstitial guest, I believe, gave it to me right. in a Christmas potluck oh, kind of really? thing. Yes. And I
0: read it. Oh, right. And I was Mara, like, Mara. yeah,
1: Mara. That, I was like, that was pretty good. Um, but then I didn't read more. Okay. I don't, I don't know if I've read, excuse me, if I've read any since. I mean, does the purchase of Madison <laughs> County
0: count? <laughs> no, but it has been referenced on this podcast before. Were you with us when we watched that movie?
1: No, I don't uh... think
0: I've ever seen the movie. Oh, my God. It br- I mean, I'm dead inside. And I was like, why can't they just be together? Dear God, it's just, just get a divorce, people. What the <laughs> hell? Like, what is the freaking deal? You got to maintain this farm or whatever? Who cares? Just divorce this guy.
1: Just go Didn't I,
0: understand.
1: Too much constraint. But, you know, so I, I, I missed the memo on Bridges of Madison County when I read it. I read it in middle school. And like, I think it had just like come out and the memo that I missed was the genre categorization for whatever Uh reason. I thought the photographer guy was real. So I went down to Tom's Jews bookshop and I spent hours going through his national geographics, (laughs) looking for that guy's photographs, like days in a row. And you know, Tom was sweet but you know curmudgeonly and kind of left you to your own devices and so it took a few days before he said it looks like you're looking for something specific can I help you and I told him and he was like I don't think that's a true story and it just gutted <laughs> <in> me
0: <laughs> what do you know that is so funny but also so you to just continue to go i mean like how could you first of all how could you ever find anything in that bookstore she's talking about a local bookstore town like our hometowns bookstore which i i i I mean uh, if there is some sort of organizational system i have no idea what it could have been there are so many books just flung everywhere it was insane it was like a hoarder's paradise yeah so how you were find, finding national geographics i have no idea but that is hilarious yeah. that you just kept going why wouldn't you go to the library well, that's so
1: funny i think i tried I'm at the sorry. library and they didn't have back. i assumed the problem was that the back issues didn't go back <laughs> far enough so i needed tom who had national geographics to like 1922 <laughs> or something oh,
0: oh my yeah, god that's hilarious Anyway, so that's Bridges of Madison County. Not necessarily a romance, but it's it's written by a man. So, of course, there's no happy ending, right? So, it's a real pisser, but... <laughs> but there we are. Predictable, yeah. So, what, do you remember the book that you got from that... What was it? Like a white elephant yeah, thing that we did? Yeah,
1: exactly. I don't, I don't remember what mm-hmm. it was called. I remember the cover or, like, you know, yeah. some vague notion of the cover, which was... I feel like exactly what anyone would expect it to be, right? Like voluptuous breasts falling out of a a, a chiffon style gown that, like you know, a woman being clutched somehow, longest legs in the world, etc. I think fire was involved.
0: <laughs> fire was so it wasn't a harlequin. It was like a no. a like a full length, like thicker book, okay, yeah. with a damn dress on the front. Yes. But I mean, look. It's not her fault. I mean, the, the material they had available at the time, probably not very supportive. So, you know, if she's been kidnapped, there's very little support she has to protect her breasts. So, I mean, they're going to be out. You know, It's just, it's just going to happen. You know. and
1: clearly, I mean, the dress was, you know, objectively two sizes too small, which does indicate a scarcity situation. And, you know, we all just do what we can with what we have. Exactly.
0: I wish that people would remember these old these old books that they've read because this is, of course, a theme that has come up in these podcasts—the big-breasted woman and the being flung and it with a shirtless man or whatever. So I would love—I wish people would remember the the titles. But I probably <laughs> still have the
1: book. It's probably still in my parents' house. If I can get a hold of it, I'll send you a cover copy, a, a image of the cover. <laughs>
0: That would be amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Maybe your dad has read it in the meantime. In his That is not um, a conversation I want to have with him. <laughs> Unfortunately, those are the conversations I'm having all the time with him.
1: I don't recommend putting my dad on your podcast. That's, that's my takeaway.
0: <laughs> I, I think it would be funny. I, it, I won't. <laughs> <And> don't worry. <laughs> but I think it would be funny. Anyway. All right. So, Gina, why do you think after that first romance novel that you didn't read anymore? What was it about it that you were like, this is not
1: for me? I mean, probably I was being too serious about whatever other Mm -hmm. things I was engaged in. I also think, (laughs) I think my mom would have killed me if I started bringing romance novels into the house. Like, oh yeah, I mean, I, you know, there was in, in like the late middle school, early high school, I was reading a lot of modern Nancy Drew and even modern Nancy Uh Drew was a little touchy because there was like hints of romance. Um, Like the B plot of Nancy Drew is definitely romance. Also another book I totally misunderstood because I thought for, you know, I don't know, a good 20, 30 books that Nancy Drew's dear friend George was a dude and I was rooting for them to get together <laughs> and then found out that wasn't true. And I was like, huh, OK, could they still get together? What's about to happen here? Right. And so things that you I would never be able to discuss with my mother. So romance novels in the house. would have been, I think even I had to keep that book from Mara hidden from her. It was not, um, wow. yes, it would have been, you know, a fire. forbidden desire.
0: <laughs> well, it's cause like, I think I started reading romance because I found one of my mom's romance novels. So you're telling me your mom never read romance at all.
1: Oh my God. No. Oh, my goodness. No. no. I mean, my mom's not a big reader in general, but, like, she was... What's the word? I mean, I guess she would say she's very religious, right? I would say she has a lot of rules. Right. And so that was on the, the other side. I mean, I don't... I have no... <laughs> this is very this made an impact on me in high school you clearly have no memory of it like I wasn't allowed to watch Friends until like 10th grade and that was only because like it tacitly got admitted into the to the TV diet because it became just abundantly clear that I had seen several episodes with you guys out of the house and it was like well I guess there's I have no power over this anymore that was about the same time I announced that I was going to eat however many cookies I wanted without asking permission first so there was a lot going on that year but romance novels was a bridge too far
0: wow mm-hmm. i guess i just i but now that you're talking about it i do i do remember you not being allowed to watch the simpsons mm-hmm. but i don't think at the time that that was like that uncommon i think lots of people had a problem with the simpsons but i guess i didn't realize that 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 kind of extended to other stuff friends really Yeah. wow gee. i know it
1: was it was a rough life until i you know, discovered my own independence and shouldered on. When my mom found out I read The Bridges of Madison County, she was upset. She was even more upset because it was a teacher who'd given it to me. Oh, yeah. wow. Oh,
0: wow. Well, did you not explain to her that it was about a real photographer that you were researching? I did. That helped. <laughs> I did not explain to her that I found out I was wrong about that. <laughs>
1: Maybe that was all just performance. I It's too long ago for me to remember. Maybe I was trying to placate my mother and keep up the lie.
0: <laughs> well, now that I'm thinking about it, there was... I felt like there was sex or the implication of sex in the movie. Was there sex in the book, actually, oh,
1: yeah, remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, yeah. I say that as, you know... And I'm talking about being 12, 13 an era when yeah. two years later, I wasn't allowed to watch Friends, right? So maybe the word breast was in the book. And I remember that there was sex in the book, right? I actually don't know. <laughs> but I remember there being a few things where I was like, oh my goodness, should I be reading this? Is this appropriate? I think I was reading it in school too. And I was like, I'm going to have to keep this one at home.
0: Right. <laughs> I'm going to have to keep it. <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that that's the beauty of literature that parents didn't know. Like, I was reading Gone with the Wind, right, in, like, middle school. And my mom, of course, had no idea what was in that book. She had, I mean, (laughs) not that she would care. My mom clearly did not care (laughs) what I was doing or reading or consuming. She had other concerns. But, like, (laughs) I don't, nothing, parents just didn't, I don't know. There's a lot of, there are a lot. Secrets and books. Yeah, you know? and
1: you were so free to explore, among other things, romance novels while your mother was not paying attention. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Too much attention in my house.
0: Well, yeah, I guess I just didn't realize that. Well, that's interesting, Gina, that you just, just weren't allowed. Yeah. And they were, right? And I talked about this before, they were illicit to read. Like, I did feel like I was getting away with something naughty, which was appealing as a young adult. So that's interesting. Yeah. I'm sorry. You didn't really miss, I mean, you know. You missed a lot of toxic male behavior in books that perhaps you, you were better off not ever romanticizing. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> and
1: there's, there's plenty of it everywhere else. You know, one doesn't need to go to romance novels looking for that. But it's good to hear it's in full supply there, too. You'd hate to think that there was something missing from the genre
0: right exactly so were you that's that's really interesting so but were you surprised then that dolly your husband agreed to do this podcast
1: Uh, yes and no i mean no because he's like generally always up for anything and he thought you were lovely but yes because yay yes because he doesn't read novels and i was like you're gonna read a fiction book he was like yeah and i was like okay so wait you're telling me that that there was a chit i didn't know about that is you'll read one novel and now it's gone on forest girl like what just happened (laughs) so i was i was surprised that he agreed to do it and i was even more surprised how much he seemed to enjoy
0: it yeah he i mean unless he was lying
1: he's a bad liar (laughs) That's nice. Yeah, I mean, sometimes. Sometimes you you're like, How do I look? And you're like, I really just wish you were a better liar. Just right now, just today. But on the whole, yes.
0: I, I have a thing where I think I am a good liar, but I clearly am not a liar. Oh, no. Good liar. Because I almost always laugh when I'm in lying. So I'm always like they know. Is that why you they laugh a
1: lot that. in general? Or are you just trying to throw people off? You're like, it's not actually a tell. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah' <laughs> Just always always trying to I am always in general trying to confuse people about my intentions.
1: I feel like regardless. that's a noble goal yeah
0: I don't want people to to have any insight into my character whatsoever and that way when I disappoint them it's you know not it's a surprise. really nice. <laughs> didn't know what to expect and they weren't, weren't disappointed. All right, so I was surprised that he agreed too because I had just met him and I, I feel like maybe I bullied him a little, but he was, he readily agreed. So, and then my next question is, so you haven't, since you haven't read romance yourself, did anything surprise you about his enjoyment of it? And like anything that he said surprise you in the podcast?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, I was surprised that yeah I was surprised that he finished a novel I honestly wasn't sure he was going to finish it I was like and it was
0: he did it quickly yeah
1: and I was like well this will be interesting to see like if you don't finish it do you cop to that do you just hope she doesn't notice like this will be a character test and unfortunately he bypassed it by actually finishing the novel so (laughs) didn't learn anything that new in our second year of marriage
0: (laughs) Well, I wouldn't have known if he didn't finish it or not because all romance novels have a happy ending. So he could have just been like, and then they got together, and I would have been like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, sure. Talk about some details that happened in the ending he convinced me that he did, in fact, read the entire book. So yeah. there's that.
1: I mean, it was sort of, I was kind of great so i like you sent such a nice list like list of possibilities and there were first of all so many more possibilities for romance novels set in africa and or written by african writers than i had anticipated so i was like oh and then reading through the descriptions oh you know i was like oh dear like i guess you know there's some things there where you're like this is what you would imagine like a romance novel clearinghouse publisher is going to think about the wilds of Africa. Right. And I was surprised that he picked that book because for me, the description was one of the five top eye rolls that I experienced (laughs) of your list. And then he read it and really liked it. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. And I learned on the podcast that he found like a lot of it familiar or culturally resonant. And I was like, huh, okay, all right. So I I haven't had a chance myself to read it yet, but now I have to read it because I'm so curious about his reaction. So yes, it was surprising all over.
0: Well, it was self-published, I I assume, right? Was that?
1: Oh, I don't know. It was. I say, good job, then go get him.
0: Yeah. So I don't think she was trying to conform to any certain standards or whatever for like a. I keep thinking puppy mill, but that's not (laughs) what I'm looking for you know what I mean so so yeah I think she just was kind of writing it but I did there were I was surprised to find that many just available on Amazon I guess like I'm sure romance abounds in Africa but like to for it to be for to find so many I guess on a American Amazon site was after I dug in I was like oh there's a bunch out here but it's not surprising to me that People don't know that how much is out there, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The accessibility of it, because I mean, you know, the book economies in in the places that I've lived and worked in Africa are, you know, like a book economy in the states, right? Vibrant and strong. In, a, in ways that make sense to readers and in ways that confound people who don't really read books, right? But they're <laughs> physical and the infrastructure is physical. So yeah, the bountiful digital content was like, oh, but then I'm also still kind of like, you can get books for free in PDFs if you're willing to steal them, which is probably not something I should admit I know about on a podcast. It's not how I read them. But there's a whole digital economy of stuff out there that's beyond me.
0: Yeah, all of my books are you can get for free on PDF on I forget a site, and I have yet to fill out the like cease and desist. <laughs> yeah. Part of me is like, whatever. <laughs> like,
1: right. I mean, the actual economy of these things must make it almost barely worth your time, right? Like, maybe if the publisher wants right. to go shut these things down, fine. But mm-hmm. is that like for every one that you manage to convert, you get what like a nickel or something? Like, yay!
0: <laughs> yes. And i think that's like and so at some on some level you're just like just if you're gonna read it that's even that's better than me having to yeah. do the work of you know so i mean whatever but yeah it's a whole thing i need to read that article though i did not read that article that you said i i saw werewolves and i was like again with the werewolves this <laughs> is like oh cyclical right there's so i'm interested i guess werewolves are coming back it's good to know because i thought we were into monsters so i mean you know, who knows yeah everything in romance
1: well the these well i don't know no one's coercing them but i was about to say these poor sort of like work day gig economy romance writers in global south countries right and like the chinese publishing company middlemen are making a killing it's amazing i was like oh i like now i'm like there's there's also interesting money from Chinese investment in other aspects of like literary publishing in New York right now and other stuff. I was like, what do they know? Like what's their faith in this, that in Anglophone lit, right? That like we don't
0: have. Well, getting a lot of those people are getting in trouble. Like there's a lot of plagiarism, right? in this. because Nora Roberts, that was a big deal a couple of years ago where this, I think she was, was somewhere in South America, some South American author was just plagiarizing just pages and pages from different extremely popular romance authors oh, wow. and like cobbling them together into one <laughs> oh my god into one you know, it's cra- so it's crazy you no know? what is the chinese and publishing what's going on there what
1: oh i don't really about? know i just i thought that was it was interesting and like sort of like i was like oh there's a new publishing house for like kind of newt last two years i think they started two three years for like global literature and literature and translation and whatever sort of literary fiction and that kind of thing called astra house and they have a literary magazine too that publishes twice a year and that's backed by chinese venture capital or chinese investment of some kind i actually don't remember the the structure of the of the arrangement so i know there's that and then there's like a hugely budding chinese podcasting market that i only know about because folks are trying to like Adapt Guernica pieces for it or something, or were interested in that. Uh-huh. So it was a conversation I had with a, a podcaster, well, like a content broker, basically, like a year or two ago, and, and uh-huh. who sent me some market research that they had done about the, There was a particular interest among Chinese audiobook podcast listeners for work that had been, like American work that had been translated from English into Chinese. Yeah, and I thought like that niche, which probably represents whatever is China's version of the New Yorker's readership or something, right? But like I, at right. the scale that is China, there's real there's real money in there. <laughs> so so I don't know, but the when I read that article about the the gig economy romance writers backed by Chinese finance, I was like, huh, something's going
0: on here. Yeah, huh. I guess I should read that article. Should have read it. I mean, eh, it's it's always list. there. <laughs> I've, all right. So that is interesting. And like are we getting to a point where like there's no difference between content farms and actual content. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's what it seems to I can't, I don't know. Anyway. All right. So Dali also mentioned that he had, he had read romance in high school to learn about women. So have you have you personally seen the fruits of of that labor do <laughs> thing?
1: <laughs> Yeah, I had a feeling that was going to come up. That that was news to me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm glad you had a resource to turn to, to deal with your awkward teenage anxieties, <laughs> you know, which is good. Maybe if I'd read more romance in high school, things would have gone better. Who knows? But, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he's very, he, you know, he's a person who's quite in touch with his emotions in general, I suppose. So that's very, did he learn that from uh-huh. romance novels? i thought the you know his clearly they created a little this book created a little bridge for himself and that was a memory that he had from high school too was that you know they helped him name his emotions which is hilarious to me for a guy who swears that fiction is useless i'm like but you just named all the reasons to read fiction okay whatever 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 floats your boat
0: <laughs> he named all the reasons to like fiction and also admitted the power of fiction, but by ed- like copying to the fact that it could play with his emotions, like it's obviously a powerful tool. And then he was t- he talked about songs that are lies that influenced an entire culture. So clearly, he, re- he, he, ch- I think he just resents the power of, of fiction to move him is I think it's what sounds like. The issue that that sounds about right <laughs> but i think he said something earlier that that was that's true too that one of the things that romance novels does for me too is we have obviously everybody has emotions but the thing that romance novels i think has done does is give a name to them and like i think that that's interesting that maybe he would have figured out Names to them, and anyway, but like as a teenager, I think that they did. That's one of the jobs romance novels did for me. It's, oh, this is how people feel in a situation. This is how they're working through it. So I thought, for well, I thought just in general that guy, teenage guys, reading romance novels for tips was amazing. <laughs> I mean, and I looked it too. I'm surprised more people don't do it, but uh, I I liked it and I'm glad that he said, he said that it seemed to have worked. You know, he learned how to say sorry, which is very important.
1: Right. So. And I thought one of the things that surprised me in that episode was talking about like how surprised they were. The teenage boys who were you know telling each other which pages to read that admitting your vulnerability was appealing to girls right I think he said weakness but I you know okay. <laughs> as as would a sort of like macho masculine read world world reading of, of romance I suppose but yeah I was like oh that's that's kind of a powerful thing to learn when you're a teenage boy for sure for I sure. wouldn't mind if a few adult men learned it too yeah
0: good luck yeah. <laughs> 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 everybody is so great let's see here so anything else that you think that pop well I guess since you haven't read romance it's hard for you to say but we'll just move on okay so based on what he possibly learned in this book what other concepts are you hoping that, that he'll apply more to his daily relationship life
1: <laughs> I mean I'd love to see him read another novel that would be kind of awesome <laughs> <laughs> and you bet your ass that i'm gonna go buy like the world's most the loudest flavor of chapstick you can possibly find and then you know initiate a make out session because that story cracked me up i did not know that story
0: well, that was hilarious did you find out what kind of chapstick it was like what the flavor was i didn't i didn't ask at the time no, maybe i haven't i haven't uncovered this I won't. Probably like vanilla. You know, guys are so basic. You yes, know what
1: I mean? <laughs> it's just like your lips taste like something that's not flesh. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and it may not have even had a flavor. It may just have been like you know, a lipstick like- tastes like not your lips, right? <laughs> but clearly it was part of the spell the beauty the lipstick the what
0: uh the trying to
1: get over another girl
0: (laughs) i think he was romance novels influenced that moment frankly because like you know you read now you read romance now you meet this girl and like it's magic because you you know the moment is magic because that's what romance does right it convinces you that ordinary things can be magical when really, they're not. <laughs> they're just... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get
1: a little archetype to experience, right? That, like, maybe if you hadn't read those novels, you wouldn't be alert to in the same way. Exactly. Yeah, it brings, like, an extra dose of fun and pleasure to the experience. Even when it's as innocent as, oh my god, why am I, why are you kissing like that? It turns out the answer is lipstick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I- i appreciate i mean yeah i appreciated that that was definitely a romanticized moment so that was fun and i yeah he could he could write he could write a romance novel about that that moment and then you know of course there's a you know not a happy ending i guess but happy for now because they did end up dating so there's there's that yeah yeah
1: and you know as as he would point out it's fiction it's all made up so he can you know change it however he wants (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, crap! Okay, well, another question is, are you also afraid that if you wear makeup, he might not recognize you in a crowd? <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Yeah. That was an amazing story. <laughs> and I mean, I'm glad that that couple, if you did not listen to the previous podcast, I don't know why you would be listening to this in the first place, but really related a story about his friend who during the engagement or wedding pre-wedding process like couldn't recognize his own fiance among her sisters and that was funny moment oh, it's funny shit that was but like <laughs> I get it I, that
1: like really provoked emotions in me to hear too cuz I was like when we first started dating I was living in a different country so I would fly to Burundi you know, with a degree of regularity. And he would, I never, it it flummoxed me at the time. And I now understand it to be just like a different culture that is far superior to American work culture. But like, it didn't matter what time of day my plane landed, he was at the airport to pick me up. And I was like, how do you have so much time? He was like, I don't understand why this is so confusing to you. And I was constantly afraid I wouldn't recognize him at the airport. And like- one plane lands a day in Bujumbura, right? Like, and 50 people get off. Like, it's not, this is not JFK Terminal 4. But I was just always be nervous about it. So when he was telling that story, I was like, it like initiated my panic reflex. I was like, yeah, I get it. Except I was always afraid I wouldn't recognize you. And then the day we got married, he, so we met in 2018 and uh-huh. like all three years later, almost exactly, we got married. And from the day I met him until the day we got married, he never cut his hair. And I always kind okay. I loved his long hair. I was always complimenting it. But the day we got married, he decided he needed to groom properly or something. So he's out, right. he's, you know, I'm at the house, it's getting late, I'm getting nervous, whatever. I'm like, you know, ah, we gotta go. Where's my future like- husband? And he comes back to us looking all spiffy in his, you know, his 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 marriage outfit, but his head is just right. buzzed. And I was like, who? What? I mean, what?
0: Okay, I guess.
1: Also, we're late. Let's go. And like his niece, who was three at the time, and I think or four, uh-huh. just turned four, like adores him, adores him. And at one point uh-huh. in, at, at the reception, after the ceremony, after some some speeches, we were taking a picture together and she looked up and said, but where's Uncle Dolly? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I thought this was his wedding. <laughs> so look, it's not just oh, the poor oh guy God. and his fiance sisters. We all We all have our challenges. <laughs>
0: that's amazing because i gotta admit like the whole book is hinged on this guy sees a girl in the forest and is just mesmerized struck by her beauty they speak like literally one sentence to each other and he's like oh my god i gotta have this forest girl and i was like i mean all right and then he meets his wife and i was like it was like two how do you not? They are clearly like. How do you not know that they're the same person? Like, how do you not? I mean, like, for real, though. I mean, like, because she's she's wearing the same. Like, does she need to stand in front of a tree? Like, what is going to jog your memory that like this is the same person? But I, I guess what I guess what I'm hearing is that it's possible. So I'll I'll take back my skepticism, but. I, you know, I mean, after, as I was reading the book, I was like, "This guy is an idiot." You yeah. know what I mean?
1: <laughs> right. It's pretty, but you know, under under pressure in the moment, anything can happen. Fair enough.
0: But I'm glad that you're not worried about him not recognizing it, apparently. you.
1: Apparently, now it feels like a goal to achieve.
0: <laughs> Just wear a mask.
1: Yeah. There we go. I was just reading this article about women wearing masks in like medieval Europe and how much that pissed off the church and like men in general. Cause like, you know, how dare women hide their faces and what kind of, I mean, it was, you know, Uh as you can imagine, it was like, what sort of things are they getting up to back there in all of that privacy? And then it was, I think it was a National Geographic or Smithsonian or something. And, um, (laughs) But then there was this little tidbit about how like they'd have these face veils. And in order to keep the veil from fluttering and like giving them away, they, inside they would sew a bead on a string and they would hold the bead between their teeth. And I was like, that's the most fucking patriarchal thing I've ever heard. Not only do we not have to look at women, we don't have to listen to them either because they have to keep the damn bead in their mouth. I was having none of it. Mm-mm. I was like, oh yeah, men are suspicious of that? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Anything but yeah, uh, the briar patch, no. Mm-mm.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. <sighs> Sorry, Gina. Anything about the past will make you upset the 90s romance novels make me up play like, <laughs> uh, like and that wasn't actually i mean it was, it was long enough ago but like I, and that's why you know people make fun of romance novels and you know we can argue about whether something is feminist or not but what they do do is women are in charge and which is not something you see all the time and it is explicitly things that women want right which is why men ridicule them so much because Mm -hmm. why would they ever consider what what women want as a serious goal or thing to aspire to right so anyway like maybe um, if you'd stop looking
1: at women like that they wouldn't invent face fails in medieval europe or whatever right and there are different face fails in different cultures for different reasons right which fine that i i'm not on like the french government's side in this but like i don't know i just think uh, I think people need to listen a little harder is what I think.
0: Right. Good, good takeaway, Gina. <laughs> <laughs> well, any questions you have, anything else you want to talk about, Dolly's or reading? Any other points from the podcast that you found interesting or surprising or whatever? Well,
1: yeah, I really liked the lipstick story and the, the wedding story that, that you told Yeah. I don't know. I just, I was impressed that you could, yeah, you could, you could inspire a setting that got him through the book. And then that he had, you know, some fairly sincere thoughts about it. I was like, oh,
0: that's kind of sweet. I thought so. And I thought it was shocking that he was the only one who had read romance novels in like a, an educational way. I mean, out of all the guys that I've talked to, ones who grew up, with me knowing that i read romance novels right none of them picked one up and were like i bet i could learn something from this and yet Dolly was the only one who did so that good for him yeah there we go See,
1: vulnerability and humility are the key lessons here
0: yeah sure i mean there is a case people can be too vulnerable like i don't care about your problems that much i mean let's (laughs) Be cool, you know what
1: I mean? Right, (laughs) know your limits, know your limits, right? We don't need oversharing, but
0: I I, like get a therapist, don't bother me with it, but like you know, it's fine. Well, and you know, (laughs) I
1: wonder, I have no line into this, but like, I mean, even when we were in like high school and middle school, you know. I'm boys were talking about this, right? Like it's not like we grew up in some place or in some generation where they're not interested in how to get it on with girls. But what were they using? What were they thinking about, right? Like, where? what were they consulting? Because there's something very, like, Wonder Years-esque about that idea of, like, reading romance novels to me, right? And, like, now, I mean, now I know what they're doing, right? They're all just going on the internet and getting the wrong idea. But, right? yeah, I don't know. There's something, it's, like, it's a different time.
0: I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. What were they consulting? Probably, like, I don't know. I mean, some movies, probably, they, they watched, like, When Harry Met Sally, and we're like, this is what women want, you know. I don't know.
1: Maybe, I don't. But I don't remember anyone we went to high school with copping to watching When Harry Met Sally.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I guess I made a couple people watch The Cutting Edge. Still classic.
1: (laughs) That that is a classic. That yeah, that was a good. There there were good lessons in there. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Do you know how many Cutting Edge movies there are? Like twenty five. Holy crap! It's incredible. I mean, like, for a movie that was not like that big of a movie. It wasn't no. like a block. It wasn't like a When Harry Met Sally. It was like a sleeper. Wasn't even like built as a rom com. Like, I, you know, it was just, and yet I, it's just got this cult following where, like, now there's, mil- there was a remake on Netflix just like last year, or the year before. It was during the pandemic because I watched it and I was like, Jesus Christ. But it stars January Jones from Mad Men. Oh and I mean, God. it's an entire series Ugh. of basically the cutting edge. But
1: see, this is what Netflix is doing to us. They know the converging data points are we have more time on our hands. We're somehow more full of nostalgia than earlier generations. I don't know what that says about, I don't know, attachment disorder or something. But like we're, we're yearning for things from our youth. And so they're going to make it all into series. Can't just have yeah. a movie.
0: But that nostalgia stuff started so early. I mean, because I remember like in high in high school, they were already shilling strawberry shortcake, which oh, was like yeah. a, just as popular. Like maybe it was, maybe it was like never had never gone away. But like I remember thinking, just like I'm being like Dolly's mad about fiction. Like I was being manipulated into you know all this nostalgia cartoon stuff. And I mean, like it, it's been I don't know. Yeah, like, they've had a, they've had a number for a long time.
1: Dolly and I were having a conversation the other day about yeah like high schooly stuff and he was describing what was cool to wear in high school and what it was, right? Like grunge and flannel, whatever. Like, and at roughly the same time, and I was like, wow, like American, like the dominance of American global culture, right? Like the Coca-Cola era, whatever, whatever, was was real. But the comeback is not. Like that is not oh. happening over there right now. Like, no, oh, it's amazing. Really? So it's like, you know, this the, we don't notice because we're only exposed to this in the United States, right? The sort of when the, the global moment doesn't intersect anymore but the nostalgia is yeah it's only for us it's funny <laughs> i don't know and i mean whoever that us is right like i don't know i don't need to be wearing those clothes anymore although i mean that's all that's i like on. the
0: wide leg jeans i'll be honest i mean i prefer it for sure
1: yeah i'm i'm leaning heavy into the stretch pants face of my existence <laughs>
0: Well, do you know what? Speaking of like just uh, America's influence on global culture, I as far as rom- romance goes, and I I should have probably researched this more, but I was surprised when I was reading *Forest Girl* that it did follow. It was like any other romance novel I, I've read. It followed the same sort of structure as any American romance novel I've read. Now, whether or not that's like incidental or what, but. I, and I wasn't, I don't know if I was suspecting anything. Like I, I, one of, um, you know, a South African writer I know writes for Harlequin. So of course her novels followed the classic Harlequin st- structure. So that's not a big deal, but I, because this was a self-published novel, I thought maybe I'm going to be experiencing something wildly different. And it just was not, it was, like I said, it, it followed the same, yeah, all the same things happen, you know, and that happen in a. American romance novel. So that was interesting for me to see. And I'll be, I was kind of disappointed because Dali now wants to read an American romance novel. Whereas I was kind of interested to read other African ones just to see like what the differences would be. And because I thought like, oh, we'll have this great podcast. We'll talk about the differences. And there weren't. (laughs) (laughs) weren't. Wrong book for that, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) There were like, now. I mean, it's a recent book. And there were differences in the way that Michael treated Essie, because that's not happening in American. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to take that back, because sometimes guys are terrible, but it's like in a they're like mafia guys or like in a motorcycle club or you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, or they're like MMA fighters. They're like rough guys. Right. But there's still not – there were points in this book where he was almost physically abusive to the heroine, which is not something that you're going to find in an American romance novel at this point unless, like I said – and but I, even in those books, like physical physical stuff is just kind of like a, a no-no um, mm-hmm. at this point. Um, but so that was one difference. But, you know, other than that – and that way really wasn't that – it wasn't – I mean – i'm not trying to downplay physical violence, right, right but it wasn't right. he didn't slap her in the face he grabbed her and whatever but um so anyway that was really the only difference though that i saw between between them so i, I don't know it was interesting then that is interesting uh, yeah so i don't know i don't know if one thing influenced the other i don't know i i assume i guess as an american i naturally assume that that we have influenced african writing but like maybe i'm all wrong about it so i mean that's something i need to figure out but uh, nevertheless
1: yeah listen. i don't i don't i don't know i mean i know there's romance publishers and big names in romance writing and the major anglophone sort of centers of publishing i don't know anything about francophone publishing but and there's a pretty vibrant i guess it would be a sort of niche publishing thing like in kenya and and a bigger one in nigeria and whatever and it's a but it's an interesting question like what the sort of etymology of the narrative form or the template is right um and sometimes it's hard to like figure those things out and reverse engineer them and and that kind of thing like we have this this is Maybe a strange segue, but we have a section in my magazine called Global Spotlights, where we kind of look around the world for other independent literary magazines that are publishing fiction and nonfiction in local language that's been translated into English or publishing directly in English, but doing things with form or style or experimentation that we just don't see as much in the commercial literary space in the United States and trying to kind of highlight those. Uh-huh. And sometimes the work that gets passed our way is really, really beautiful work that like uh-huh. if someone had submitted it to us, we also would have published, but which we don't republish in this section because it's just so American. Right. Like we, we had a gorgeous <laughs> essay that came across my desk on, you know, a personal essay about, challenging experience, sort of coming of age and dealing with trauma and blah, 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 blah. And Uh the the theme was very American, the way trauma was approached, the form was very American, the references in the text were American. There was nothing about it that said it was written in Singapore, except for the email that I got that said it was written in Singapore. It's sort of like, how does... How does that happen? I've got you know theories about it, but I don't I don't know enough about it. And then and then you find these other things that are like delightfully utterly detached from that dominant flow, and that's kind of nice. Right. But is that happening in romance? I don't know, like. Is that like a uniquely American yeah. genre? Like yeah, you know, right. the building's Roman is its own thing. Like I don't I don't know uh, I don't know I, don't
0: know. I, I should probably should uh, this was my opportunity to to research it, and as a librarian, I doubly should have taken the opportunity. <laughs> in the time to research it. look and yet just
1: consider it an open invitation because if there's something good in there it can make a great guernica essay that's all i'm saying i would love to be the editor who brings a romance novel essay into guernica that would be i'd be like drop mike i'm out we have done what we need to do <laughs>
0: I mean, is that the kind of spin you need on a Guernica essay? I don't know. Right.
1: So hard. Sort of, you know, as they say about pornography, I know it when I see it.
0: <laughs> All right. I love this. I, I will, uh, that is like a research project I should do. Is romance American? Yeah. Did we, did we invent romance as it, as it stands?
1: Right, yeah, like as it exists and is consumed now. I mean, obviously, that there's a way of interpreting that question that's circular that would like not set you off on the right trajectory. But right. but yeah, that's, do we a good think
0: question. do we think that France would get mad because they're like you know France? I think that I think that that's a, if France as a country did not capitalize on themselves being the inventors of modern romance. They're dummies, you know what I mean? Like, who's marketing for France, BT dubs, you know? Yeah. So, like, get it together, France. You know what I mean? Come on.
1: If I had a nickel for every time I said that in a week.
0: You'd have as many nickels as I would trying to get my rights back from that free. (laughs) From (laughs) the the PDF stealers. (laughs) Pirated. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Hilarious. All right, Gina. Anything else about about Dolly you want to talk about, or romance in general?
1: I don't think so. I think we had a a, a rollicking conversation.
0: Well, did you enjoy the podcast? Like, because you've not, I assume that you haven't listened to any of the other ones. You don't read romance. You're like walking into this blind. Did you, as like, step aside for a second? If you weren't married and didn't know Dolly, would you? Do you think you would have enjoyed the podcast, the nature of it, the comp, like the point of it? Tell me what. Tell me your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, yeah, it's hard to sort of like, you know, if, (laughs) if it hadn't been my husband, but, but yeah, I mean, it's fun to sort of like, to explore the conceit of like, so what do guys think about this? Right. I guess in a way that's similar to what Dali was talking about, but like, if you, I mean, even like, I remember that from the one I read in high school, right. It's like, oh, well, what would like, okay. I, if if this is going to be a model or something, right. Okay. It's one thing, but like, is this actually like. How guys think or feel or act or whatever, right? So, like, I guess you're sort of always, and he said, Dali said something too about, like, you know, it being good lessons about women, but also learning that not all women are the same, right? Or there was some also takeaway about like not all men are the same. And yes. And it's like, yeah, that sort of yearning to see it from the other side's perspective, I think is. Mm-hmm pretty obvious, I suppose, but universal and it's fun to encounter. Right. So it's just fun to see what people make of this stuff. And yeah. And to be reminded that I got to I have to be careful because I know some of the people on your podcast who appear under different names. So I have to not out (laughs) them. It's fun to see what different people make of different ideas and then go, oh, what a panoply of perspectives.
0: (laughs) Great word. I love it yeah it is it is interesting but most people that i think that you know have gone by their their real names and it has been very interesting because and dolly did mention that about how not every you know every man is different every woman is different and they want different things and of course you know that romance is not saying you know this is how everybody thinks or whatever this is always what women want and i mean a, a majority of romance novels that i first read i was like i wanted all of the women were terrible and all of the men were slightly terrible so I mean there is that that element of it as well like of course of course there's these are just not role models or you know actual educational tools right but I think that in general women are always more and this is again generalizing but I think we are more curious about men and so in men's thoughts right than than the other way around mm-hmm. right either aren't just aren't that interested or think that they know what women think or want and refuse to kind of accept that romance novels are like I said before, women's way of saying exactly what they want, right? And so for whatever reason, those expectations, um, men can't really deal with those expectations, I think, on on some level, Um, again, generalizing. But so I think that it's interesting to do this, because for the first time, I'm seeing guys actually be interested in women's thoughts, (laughs) which is not, Which is not something you see every day, right? And to read a whole novel, frankly, that's for women is just it's a big ask of people, you know, honestly, because I mean, reading takes a lot of time, period. And then to also for something that they don't normally want to read, and it is you know, quote for women is is a big ass. So it has been remarkable to kind of listen to to what they think about it. And um, but and like I said, Dolly was the only one who had previously previously done it. So yeah, it's been interesting.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that it's a doorway into getting men from pretty different spaces or whatever, right, in the world to sort of take through the conceit of this novel women's ideas seriously, right? About desire. And that what it takes is a little bit of a sort of almost a send up of a conceit to even like open that conversation. And like, but as you were saying that I also like, part of me was like roaring up because I'm like, well, I remember in high school reading a Dean Koontz novel for Aaron. Right. And like, nobody told me that I read a men's book for my boyfriend. Right. Like it's only when it's this like women's thing that like suddenly it's for women. Books by men are for everyone, but like exactly. books by or about women are only for women, and like let's give boys a prize for reading them.
0: Exactly. Thank you, Gina. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, like they should be. Why aren't they reading these? That's why i am you know am I'm, I'm thankful that they're doing it. As but like they should be. Right. It shouldn't be like, oh, I gotta read this book about what women expect from men. Like it's and it's not like it's still a story, right? It's not like some right. instructional even though that's the how Dali used it. And it's and the only reason, like again, like I said, the only reason that it's put in a different category as women writing literary fiction because of course women have written brilliant literary fiction and that men have read it and they're fine with it. But the di- but there's that for some reason there's that ever present like divide of if it's romance there's automatically some implicit expectation on a man to be a certain way. And that is why I, th- I mean, along with some other reasons <laughs> that men are like, Oh, no, I'm not going to do it. Because now I'm being put under a mic, like, I- I'm being found inadequate, you know what I mean? And so I think that is the barrier. I think that's the thing that makes them not want to read up uh, uh, again, among other things. But Largely, I think that's it. And that's one of the things I have heard from guys this whole thing. Like, it's a ripped guy on the front, a tall, these guys are tall, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, are you crumbling under the expectations? Right. The one cover of the one book you've taken seriously
1: in 35 years. Let me offer you a monthly subscription to any modern magazine.
0: Anything ever. <laughs> I mean, get you so on the window to any popular culture. So anyway, yeah. I mean, obviously I delight in making them feel that way. So <laughs> just, it's, been great. it's been a great time for me. But yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. They shouldn't get a reward for reading stuff that's is just for everyone, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wise words, Gina. Oh, Wise words.
1: From your lips.
0: <laughs> Who knows how different your life would have been if your mom had let you read romance
1: novels.
0: Oh I- That's so interesting, Gina. I really, I had no idea. I just thought you were too cerebral. I was like, that's Gina. She's like doing important world bettering things.
1: <laughs> oh, subtle influences that lurk behind the curtain.
0: Isn't it true though? I mean, like the things that, I mean, like the weird little things that inform that we start doing as like just kind of throwaway things when we're young, how they do end up just informing the people we become in a way that we just weren't anticipating, I guess. I don't yeah. Know. I mean, this, I probably always was going to write, you know what I mean? I mean, I, mean, I remember you writing so- it at the lunch table in high school. <laughs>
1: I was always like, wow, she did it. That worked out
0: yeah i mean like yeah no it works it works out um and i don't i don't write porn i'm just saying that and like i if i did write porn i also that would be great too but i don't i'm not trying to downplay the validity of romance by calling it porn i'm just you know just joking i'm mean, gonna be careful yeah
1: well i mean i'm at a sort of like point of interest and also like in terms of like what you and dolly were talking about on the blueprint when you were talking about like or on the podcast about blueprints, right? About novels being blueprints. I was like, oh my God, does anyone write romance novels about pregnant women? Because- Oh yeah,
0: that's huge.
1: I could use something that's written by women about inhabiting a pregnant body, but also, oh man, there's like two choices in the world right now and neither one of them are very satisfying at the moment. (laughs) I need some options.
0: (laughs) Secret pregnancy, huge in romance.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that's about a certain period of pregnancy in which the other problems I'm facing do not present themselves.
0: <laughs> yeah, you you make with that. Yeah. <sighs> there will be sex on the other side. Uh, sorry. Well, I mean, there are. T- I mean, I don't. Now that you've said it, I don't. There are some. There are some erotica uh, with pregnant women. One in particular, maybe it's Maya Maya Blank. But now that you've said it, I don't know when, like, like I said, secret pregnancy, that's a big thing. But I don't know how many there are, like, whole books where the woman is fully pregnant the entire time. I don't know if that's like a... I mean,
1: I can imagine it just being a sort of fiction writer's conundrum, right? Because how is that physicality germane to plot for 300 pages or whatever right like it's not it would be a hard theme to work out in all the right ways i
0: suppose but but some <laughs> exist like i said maya blake i think is the author that has written because okay. i've seen pregnant people on covers right so Aha. that's that they're pregnant for the entire time
1: that you got to get get a pregnant woman romance novel in the hands of a of a guest sometime just to see what it's like for a dude to read a book with a romance pregnancy cover.
0: I frankly, like I'm feeling like kind of like I've not done any, I have really let everybody down on my research. I haven't researched (laughs) the origin of romance. I don't know about pregnancy romance. I mean, like these are big blind spots in my (laughs) romance education and knowledge. I mean, here I am, Jesus Christ.
1: I mean so this is this is not like the Freakonomics of romance writing, right? like okay
0: I have standards. Yeah. standards all right well well i'll I'll try to figure that out, Gina, and thank tell Dali thank you again. it was I was a delight, you know, I felt bad because I was on drugs and in pain, so <laughs> I felt like I couldn't. <laughs> Like I couldn't match. He was he was personable and funny and high energy, and I was felt like I was dragging him down. So I felt bad, and so next time I will be at my at my best. So um, he really he picked me. He picked my he brought up he brought the energy up. Even though I, I do hate it when people talk about other people's energy. You know what I mean? I, I come on. <laughs> But if we're good, well, I'll wrap up that part of the romance novel chat, and then unless you have anything else, no, that was great. Yay! So I last time I did what I cut from the podcast, and but I have to say, I did not really cut anything from Dolly's podcast. But what what I will say is that I've edited fifteen or sixteen of these now. And Dali English is not his first language. And right? I mean that's correct. Yeah, right? no,
1: it's like his <laughs> sixth or seventh, I think. Yeah.
0: Ridiculous. Okay. I <laughs> mean But out of all of the people, myself included, I had I cut from Dali's the least number of or the smallest number of ums, likes, you knows, teeth clicking, like huh. everything. It was the cleanest track I have edited to date so it was I thought that was an interesting takeaway from someone who's that English is not their first language so good for him I don't know what that suggests but it was a pleasure it took <laughs> it took far less time to Amazing. edit because of that and I just it made me like him <laughs> just exponentially more so I was like Thank you, Tully, for giving me less work.
1: Oh my God, that is brilliant.
0: <laughs> so by the end of it, I had such warm feelings of gratitude, even more towards them, like, thank you. Anything <laughs> <laughs> is a pain in the butt. Oh yeah. I mean, I am fine, but like uh, the t- number of times, like I've said, I that I say like is oh, my Jesus Christ. I mean, it's yeah. insane. God, but anyway. So that was the really only the notable thing I had. I, I, like I said, there wasn't much um, to cut. It was a lean, clean, clean podcast. There was nothing inflammatory. <laughs> that,
1: that was <laughs> to well. That's cut. good. There's not like some secret archive somewhere of things that he didn't want his wife to hear. Haha.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. It, yeah. Nothing. There were no. Yeah. No. It was. It was great. There's no like insulting things to romance that I had to take out. Nothing. was... <laughs> incoherent rambling that i had to take i had to cut
1: amazing maybe i should farm him out as a podcast guest
0: maybe so what else do you have
1: something to say about farming there's a really popular farming podcast I don't know if there is. I just was thinking about what's <laughs> a topic as far from romance as
0: I can imagine. Lots of farming romance exists, you know? but I'm um, sure yeah. there's
1: a great farming podcast somewhere. Farming Twitter is amazing. So there must be a great uh, farming
0: podcast. I think probably definitely there's a lot of homesteading podcasts. Oh yeah. for sure. I can see farmers like having too much to do. I can see homesteaders like, and not being able to wait to talk to people about how they're homesteading. You know what I mean?
1: That you're, yes, <laughs> totally right. Totally right. <laughs> There's like a live homesteading call-in podcast. Wow, now I want to find it.
0: They're just like, that would be amazing. They've got, well, I'm not going to get started on homesteading. I mean, like some people that do it are fine. Others are crazy. Just kidding. Just kidding. To like homestead. everything else. Sometimes there are the crazies. That is very true. <laughs> anyway, all right, Julian, this was great. And, uh, I, like I said, I didn't cut anything. I hope that you will start reading romance. Maybe you'll start with Forest Girl, or maybe you'll start with the next book, Dolly Reads, which will be a, sadly an American romance that I still will have to send him, but perhaps we'll have different, a different conversation. And I will research is the romance novel. American. I'll have that answer next time. Oh my
1: gosh. Cliffhanger. Now I'm in for the next episode.
0: (laughs) Gina, any final thoughts? No. Excellent. Thank
1: you. It was fun.
0: (laughs) I loved it. Thank you so much for coming. You are far too smart to be here and that's fine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not a chance. (laughs) I am going to take your list of recommended books though and go straight to the library because I was told that you need to have good reading on hand for, you know, between nursing, but maybe it's not the time to read that thousand page David Foster Wallace novel you never actually got to. And that just like a good consumable story is is the way to go. Please dear and I was God. like,
0: oh. Have you tried to read Infinite Jest? Again, another. Thank you. I couldn't remember the name of it. Another book we've talked about on this podcast. I mean, please. Don't. Oh, really? Of course, Gina. of course. We've oh talked- my God. We've talked about a lot of hipster novels on this podcast. But
1: I mean, yeah, that I, I like to think of that less as a, a novel and more as a relic of a certain form of applaudable literary ambition among a certain kind of white male writer at a certain period in time, right? Like, that's how I feel about that book.
0: I love that framing, it's very <laughs> accurate. I'm just, Thank you. I can't, I, one of a person we know has read it and they really liked it. And I was like, oh, well, we can't be friends then because. <laughs> i guess this is the end this is we're finished anyway <laughs> look i can get you yeah if you want a list i'll make you a gina specific list it doesn't have to be. oh my god yes there are certainly things that you would like better than Dalí's list which is you know stuff i'm not from read. a different kind well, of I reader i well i can't yeah push for it. i'm not read it so you know what i mean totally fair fair. i think you like people we meet on vacation which is the book that richard herndon read okay
1: all right i'll have there we go he and i'll start there
0: he and dolly were really the only well that's not true ryan sears and my friend zach they all liked theirs so anyway that's neither here nor there sounds good gina i will get you a list i'm so again r.i.p jonathan crombie the first Romance. The first romance hero of my life and uh we will see you next time and gina tell me that you uh love romance
1: i do in my heart of hearts i love romance
0: <laughs> thank you